0: Welcome to the second part of the six R's of effective discipline. Last week, I gave you the first three. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that. This week, I'm going to give you the second three. And by the end of this episode, you should have a much better understanding of how you can effectively administer discipline in your youth ministry without damaging your relationship to the student and actually stop the misbehavior or behavioral issues that you've been having. My name is Michael Collins. This is Maximize Youth Ministry. This show exists to help you gain skill and confidence in youth ministry. Thank you for listening, and I hope you love the show today. The second three R's of effective discipline are related, rapid, and revealed in advance. But before we get into those three, there's one more thing that I forgot to say in the last episode that I I think needs to be said. The second R in the last episode, is reliable. And I talked about how you need to be reliable, you need to mean what you say and follow through and all of that. But one other way that we need to be reliable when it comes to discipline in our youth ministry is between us and our team members. If you have staff that work with you or for you or in your ministry that are also working with the kids, if you're a teacher, I'm talking about other teachers, if you're a camp director, I'm talking about the cabin directors or camp counselors that you've got, if you are a youth pastor, I'm talking about your volunteers, anybody who is also working with the kids, you need to make sure that you guys as a team, as a youth ministry team, are being reliable across the board when it comes to discipline. And what I mean is you are all enforcing the same rules and enforcing them the same way. You've talked beforehand and come up with, okay, we're not going to allow this, and when, when a child does this or that, or we're going to have this issue, this is the path that we're going to take when it comes to discipline. And obviously, every single situation is going to be different. So you can't exactly put together a policy that's going to cover every behavioral issue that you could ever encounter. But you need to make sure that you are at least all on the same page about what you're going to expect from these kids. And you need to all agree together that you are going to enforce these rules that you've laid out as you've laid them out. If you don't do this, then you're going to end up with a situation where one teacher is stricter than the other and the kids end up liking them more and not liking this other teacher. And when they get used to being able to do whatever they want in one teacher's room, they go to the other teacher's room and all of a sudden they're angry and they're having a harder time listening because they're not used to having to follow all these rules and that's just a bad strategy you're going to end up with a lot more problems than if you just work together as a team put everybody in the same room and have a conversation about okay what are some common behavioral issues that are happening what are we going to do about it what's our go-to discipline policy here and i would recommend you have a go-to person one person who's in charge of handling any escalated behavioral issues or escalated discipline problems. Sometimes things get escalated and the child refuses to listen, refuses to sit down, refuses to go into timeout, and the teacher or the volunteer is still trying to lead or facilitate a class of some sort. You need to have somebody that you call to come in and handle that situation, those situations where things are getting out of hand a little bit and the child requires a little bit more correction than... Maybe the teacher or volunteer or counselor is able to give at that time. Okay, that's enough about that. The next R, the first R of this episode, is related. So we want any form of discipline or correction, that's my new word instead of punishment like I was talking about last episode, any form of correction, we want it to be related to the misbehavior. And As closely related as we can possibly make it so if Johnny I'm always picking on Johnny if Johnny is throwing chips at Susan then Johnny doesn't get his chips this is where the problem was you take that away he can't even misbehave anymore because he doesn't have the chips and I mean he might find some other way to misbehave but you throw in the chips you can't handle the chips we're taking the chips away What would not be a great situation is if Johnny's throwing his chips and you say, Johnny, because you were throwing your chips, you don't get to play kickball anymore. Now, this might seem like a really great correction because you know that Johnny really wants to play kickball and you know that he doesn't really care about his chips, obviously, because he's throwing them. But this isn't great, and I'm going to tell you why. It's for a couple reasons. One, because Johnny, or any child or teen, when you discipline them or correct them, they're going to be looking for ways that your correction is unfair. They want to justify themselves. They want to justify their own behavior. We all do that as human beings a lot of time anyway. But they're looking for any way they can to say, man, so-and-so is just being mean. It's so unfair that I have to do this. And they know perfectly well that they weren't listening, but the more closely connected the misbehavior is to the correction or to the discipline, the harder it is for them to even tell themselves that it's unfair. And if they are forced to admit that this is a fair correction or disciplinary action for their behavior, they're much more likely to listen to you next time and not be in a sour mood or be angry with you or hurt at all when you have to correct their behavior so look for a way to connect the correction to the misbehavior as closely as possible the easiest way i found to do this is just to hinder their ability to misbehave in whatever way they were just misbehaving so with the chips you take away the chips If they're distracting other kids, you send them to the back of the room where they can't distract anybody. If they are talking to their friend when they're not supposed to be, you separate them from their friend. You put an obstacle in in the path of them doing whatever it is that they were trying to do. Okay, moving on before I run out of time, the next R in the six R's of effective discipline is rapid. And this is connected to related. They're both in here for the same reason but by rapid, we mean you want the correction to happen as quickly as possible after the misbehavior occurs. And it's for the same reason that you want it to be related to the misbehavior. It's because you're trying to limit the child's ability to claim that it was unfair. So if Johnny's throwing his chips and you say, okay, Johnny, tomorrow you don't get any snack. In the moment, at least I think, dang, that's too bad. But especially for younger kids, tomorrow is years away. They're not even considering what could be possibly going on in their lives tomorrow. It's not even on their mind. So giving them a punishment the next day or the next week isn't really going to help them realize the error of their ways in this moment. And then, to make it worse, tomorrow when they show up, they've already forgotten a lot of times, that they got in trouble the previous day. And so when you tell them "Eh, you don't get any snack, remember, because yesterday you were causing problems, they're going to remember that they got in trouble yesterday when you remind them, but it's still going to feel incredibly unfair, especially if they've been on their best behavior that day. And so those are two things that you really don't want. You don't want them feeling like it's unfair, even though it isn't unfair, but we still don't want them to feel like it's unfair because that's going to hurt. The relationship between us and them and it's going to make our discipline less effective and we don't want to be punishing them right after they've been behaving really well and maybe johnny wasn't behaving really well but maybe he was maybe he came in and was just been doing his best all day and now we have to punish him because we said that we would so the closer you can connect the correction or the discipline to the misbehavior both in time like actual seconds after it occurs and in category i guess is the right word in meaning the correction is sort of a mirror image of the misbehavior that was happening the closer you can connect the two the more the more effective it's going to be because it's going to help them understand that when i do something wrong when i act out in this way this is going to happen and kids don't often sit and plan to misbehave they just it's they're just being kids it's just them living out their will their emotions their desires and whatever else so it's not like they're choosing when they come into your ministry in the morning to not listen to you they just they just haven't developed the self-control and self-discipline to be able to listen effectively all the time because they're kids, but making this, helping the correction be connected to the behavior in their minds by following these two things is going to help them train themselves so that they are able to listen and follow directions more effectively, which is going to be an invaluable skill that they are going to have to learn at some point if they want to be effective in adult life. Okay, so the last are. Of the six R's of effective discipline is revealed in advance. And pretty much exactly what it sounds like anytime you can reveal in advance what the correction is going to be for a specific behavioral problem, the smoother things are going to go over with your youth when you actually have to administer that discipline. If you can tell them ahead of time, hey, guys, if you are talking with your friend while we're supposed to be listening to this lesson i'm going to make you go sit at the in the back of the room then later when they're talking with their friend and you say hey i told you if you talk with your friend you gotta go to the back of the room you need to go back there now it completely eliminates the possibility of them claiming that you're being unfair because you told them exactly what was going to happen now I say completely eliminates. Some kids will still try to claim that it's unfair. They're kids. They're teenagers. That's what they do. Like I said, they're always going to be looking for a way to justify their own behavior and claim that you're being unfair. But this is one more thing that we can do to reduce their ability to do that. This is also why I prefer in every situation that I can to give a warning before I administer any form of correction, but you always have to make sure if you're calling a kid down because they're misbehaving in some way, you always be sure to tell them, hey, if you do this again, this is what the consequence is going to be. Because then when they do it again, if they do it again, you have already established this is what's going to happen and you know exactly what to do. You don't have to try and judge. Do I need to administer correction of some sort now or can can we just give another warning? Now it's already been decided, you've said, this is what's going to happen, you know that, they know that, you just do what was said. And this goes back to last episode, again when we were talking about reliable, if you remember, I said you never make claims that you are unable or unwilling to carry out. I think I said that, if I didn't say that I meant to say that, but that's the case here. When you're revealing in advance what the correction is going to be, you you never Claim that you're going to do something that you are unwilling or unable to do. Otherwise, you're just teaching the kids, hey, you don't actually have to listen to me when I claim that I'm going to punish you in some way. So and so, what do we mean by unable or an unwilling to, to carry out? Well, by unable, we mean something that's beyond your authority. For example, if you are a volunteer in a church youth program, there's a good chance you don't have the authority to tell one of the students hey, you're not going to be allowed back in here next week, right? So you wouldn't want to claim to them that, hey, if you don't start listening, if you do this whatever again, you're not going to be allowed to come back next week. You wouldn't want to make that claim because you don't have the authority to carry that out. You're unable to to follow through. And so if you say that and then it doesn't happen, you're teaching them, hey, they don't have to listen to you. And then unwilling... It it's exactly what it sounds like something you don't actually want to do. You're not actually willing to do. I I know I've been talking about discipline a lot for the last two episodes. It's what they've been all all about. But I don't enjoy disciplining kids. It's not fun. I do it because I know that it's better for them and for all the other kids in the ministry if everybody is listening and behaving and the. Only way to really achieve that a lot of times is through effective discipline, but it is not fun to correct a child. So make sure if you say you're going to do something, you actually do it, even if you don't feel like it or if you don't want to. Because <laughs> I know it's not going to be fun, but it's better for them, it's better for the other kids in your ministry if there is effective discipline taking place. So I hope that those six Rs have been as helpful for you as they have been for me in my career. Next week, I'm going to share with you some of the things that you can do so that you won't have to discipline as often as you currently are, ideally, because there are things that we can do to make correction less common where it's not as needed. We don't have to use it as much, and that's way better. Like I said, it's not fun to discipline. So if we can avoid needing to discipline, that's awesome. Let's do that. So that's what we're going to be talking about next week. But remember, love the kids all the time, no matter what. I'll see you in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode. At the time of recording this, we have five reviews on Apple Podcasts and four on Spotify. I would love it if you could go and increase that number by one. It'd mean a lot to me and let me know that you are out there, you're listening, and you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much for listening.